morning's scripture reading comes from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Please follow along in your Bible or as the text is presented on the screens above. I will be reading from the New International Version today. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. For receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is beginning is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not your f- forsake your mother's teaching. There are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. The word of the Lord. Thank you. The average adult, and um, you may find this startling, but maybe not. The average adult makes roughly 35,000 conscious decisions every day. And uh, if you went to Starbucks this morning, you've already made a thousand. (laughs) There's something called decision fatigue. So do I need to explain it? I don't think so. And a guy named Steve Jobs um, talked about decision minimalism. And you know that part of his uh, minimalism was uh, getting up every morning, looking in the closet, and picking out a black turtleneck every day. I don't know if it was the same one, but it was the same color, same size. He didn't want to have to think about it. He didn't want to make those decisions. Some of you, I won't tell you which gender you are, but you might want to think about that approach more. It might, it might help bring down the fatigue a little bit. So the good news is that children are, on average, making about 3,000 decisions a day. So about a tenth of the adult thing. But we know that as they get older, that the number of those decisions will grow and that the weight of those decisions will grow. And they will come to, like that little guy there, will come to a fork in the road. Well, 35000 a day. But some of those forks are very, very heavy. Who do I marry? Where do I live? What work do I go into? And, you know, how do I do, what do I do with money? How do I, how do I... Uh, steward my sexuality how do I I mean those big questions in life and I think I think in the heart of every adult regardless maybe of your belief system there is something innate to adulthood that says I want to help those kids I want to help that next generation Um, I want to help my grandchildren I want to help that next generation grow in wisdom to navigate life so are you, are you there? I mean, I, so far, you're with me on that? I mean, I think I'm... And um, so the, the farmer's uh, commercial on TV, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two, right? That's, that's really a, a good line for wisdom right there. And uh, it, the next 10 weeks, we've got this gold mine called the Book of Proverbs, which is the kind of like central bible central place for wisdom and we're going to explore that gold mine and see what we can find there is gold 
to be found. And what I'm going to do is start... Uh, by the way, next week we'll be talking about peer pressure, if that is of any... Adults don't struggle with peer pressure, though I forgot. But, um, yeah, we do, and kids certainly do. Here's our, uh, for today, what is wisdom? Where does it come from? Who is it for? How do we get it? And we're going to look at these, this first passage that was read. So what, where, who, how is four questions of the text that we will ask. What is wisdom? Uh, I'll give you just uh, a slide here. What it's, the, uh, the Hebrew word is chokmah, and uh, it has to do, this is a, a definition from one of the uh, great commentators on the book of Proverbs, and I'm just going to use it. It's skill or competency with regard to the realities of life. So you see how a, a child would not be born with that skill. Um, you have to acquire it. It is not knowledge. It's not, well, I should say it's not data. It's not information. It's not knowledge, although it, it entails that, but it's way more than that. And we might say it's the application of knowledge. And we have so much data and information and knowledge in the world today, but what would be missing or in shorter supply would be wisdom. By the way, how many of you know somebody who's really smart who does consistently does really dumb things? <laughs> I use this one earlier. Yeah. Well, if you know me, I mean, okay. Um, it's not morality either, although it's, it, it entails morality. We'll, we'll look into that. But better, it's knowing what to do in the 80% of situations in life that the Bible doesn't directly address. So uh, there's not rules. I mean, we, wouldn't we prefer rules? Just tell me the rules for every situation in life, and you have a book that's that thick. And, but it doesn't work that way. It has to do with character, developing character in younger people as they grow older so that when they come to those forks in the road, they will make the right decision or at least learn from the wrong decision. I mean, that's part of how we learn. So that, that gives us just a, a glimpse. We'll, we'll be coming back to that maybe each week, just reminding ourselves that this is what wisdom is when we're talking about it. So that's the what. Let's go. Where does it come from? Well, first of all, it comes... We'll, we'll talk at different levels here, but it comes uh, to us from Solomon, first of all. And uh, it's in verse 1, it says that th- these are the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. So Solomon is known to be... He was just known to be the super wise man in the Bible. People came from all over the world to uh, listen to his wisdom. What a, what a cool thing to have. You know, there's, there's a whole story there that we don't have time to get into, but uh, he was known for wisdom. And then he, where did he get wisdom from? Well, he got it from God, but listen to verse 8 and 9. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. That's from verse 1. And he's saying that to his children. But if we go to chapter 4, it says in verse 3 that when I was a boy, in other words, when Solomon was a boy, his father, David, that would have been David, uh, still, when I was still tender and only, the only child of my mother, uh, my father David taught me and said, lay hold of my words with all your heart, keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget my words or swerve from them. And it goes on. 
So it, it, there's the evidence that it's passed on generationally. We get it from Solomon. Now, the thing about Solomon, uh, we have to um, make a, a, a point here, is that he had all this wisdom, but later in life, he struggled with wisdom. He actually became very foolish. And it's one of those sad stories in the Bible that the wisest man became really a fool by his own definition. He didn't listen to his own advice or wisdom. And the problem was, the scripture says, is that he, his heart was drawn away by a, a number of women that were from other, uh, they had other values. And, and uh, the irony there is that we're going to get a lot of of wisdom from Solomon that has to do with how you have to be on guard, guard your heart from the woman who is going to entice you. So there's lots of irony that, are, that is built in here. The other thing that we, um, uh, I, I kind of mentioned it already, but th- that this is really a book though. If, if you're a parent with a, a teen or a preteen, this book is for you. It's really meant for parents. As their teens reach uh, puberty and adolescence, it's, it's just the perfect book for you. And it's, I, never, I didn't realize that until somebody pointed it out to me, so I'm pointing it out to you. It's, it's, it's a gift to you as a parent or a grandparent or a mentor, but particularly parents in the home. And um, so we, we get this from Solomon, but ultimately we get it from who? We get it from God. It's theological uh, in its origins. And the, the biggest case for that is found in Proverbs chapter 8, Uh, which we don't have time to go to now, but if you want to go there, wisdom is personified, speaking in the first person, I was there with God before creation. From eternity, wisdom was with God. So many have said, and there's kind of a debate amongst scholars about whether this is referring to Christ in the the Son of God being eternally uh, coexistent with God, or if this is just a way of talking about wisdom. But the point is that wisdom was existed before the foundations of the world. Uh, this, the point I'm going to make right now is very countercultural to the age in which we live. We, we, uh, if you think about what, what we're talking about right here, that, that wisdom is, I'm going to use the phrase, baked into creation. In other words, the Ten Commandments were given by God on Mount Sinai, and they were very explicitly written on a stone. There they are. But even more holistically baked into creation is a moral, spiritual order of things. Now, we live in a world that doesn't believe what I just said. Uh, They believe that we create that, that we are individuals who can create our own spiritual, moral order. But according to the scriptures, that's not true, that it is there and it is from God. It's baked into the, the recipe, if you will. So here's uh, from Proverbs 3.19. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. And in, if you, in chapter, it's, it's not just, it's, it's wisdom is all over it. It's in it. It's, uh, it's there to discover. It's not something to invent. So here's, here's an analogy. Uh, a few years ago, I read the Wright Brothers, um, David McCullough's Wright Brothers uh, biography. It's, that's a great story, by the way. But in there, they had... They discovered uh, the physics of uh, flying through a wind tunnel. And then, you know, that, that's... Now, here's my question. Were, were the physics of flying that they discovered that day, 
did, that, did it come into existence that day or had it always been there? You see, it had always been there. It had always been there. And that's, that's the physical order in creation. We would think of that way. But we would also, the Bible would encourage us to think in terms of the moral, spiritual order of creation. That there are things in creation that are um, baked into it that are from God. Um, so a proverb, I can't remember where, I think it's Proverbs 25 something, is that it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and it is the glory of a king or a scientist or whatever to discover it or to seek it out. So wisdom is not as obvious. You have to look for it. You have to want it. You have to search for it. And hopefully uh, you'll, you'll find it there. We'll, we'll be talking more about the thirst for knowledge that, uh, or for wisdom. All right, so, but not only is it, uh, if, this, this is my example here. You're probably wondering what this mess is. Um, and uh, it, I'm going to get violent here, so uh, watch out. Uh, if there's a spiritual order of things, then if you go with the grain of that moral spiritual order, your life will go smoother. And if you go against the grain, it, it'll be really hard. So not only is it wrong to not pursue wisdom, it's stupid. I can make a point because I have this axe in my hand right now. <laughs> a big point. Now here's the deal. I used to work in a... Um, I used to work in a shake mill on the Olympic Peninsula. And for those of you who are younger, we didn't make milkshakes. <laughs> I feel like I have to explain this. These are these things they put on roofs, and they were made out of cedar. And that was before they had all the composite stuff. But what I learned there, because my job was to, uh, to split the wood. I, I can tell right now I'm going to have a problem with this one, because it's got this knot over here. And I learned a long time ago that's not going to work. Um, it's not the best piece of wood, but... Okay, so stand back, everybody, and don't, don't try this at home, kids. Uh, but if, if I hit it just right, if I, in other words, I line this up perpendicular to the center, then it'll just come apart really easily. But if I miss it, which I did at the first service, and that's why it's such a mess up here, uh, but I proved my point, is that you work a lot harder if you're... And so, okay, here it goes. Ready? Okay. If, if, I, if, I, if I do something bad, somebody else has to finish the sermon. Okay. <laughs> See how easy that was? Yeah. And it, it, it just, yeah, um, I once again proved my manhood, but, uh, you know, <laughs> there it is. Uh, if, if I were to, to go uh, against the grain or across the grain, is really how you say it, I could be here a long time just whacking away at it. But you find that grain and you go with it and... It's, it's smooth. Is that, did, did my illustration work for you? Because it, it, it really works, it works for me. Uh, anyway, uh, so again, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not so much about being wrong, but about being stupid. That, that you know, I'd be, I'd be, you hurt yourself when you violate what God has baked into creation. Okay, so what we've, we've got what? And uh, now we want to go, we've got what and where does it come from, and now who is it for? And verse 4 gives us a word that we're going to be, it's a a key word, really, a couple of key words here that we're going to be uh, coming across in the text a number of times, and the word is simple. And I need to define that word for you, but in verse 4 it says that wisdom gives uh, prudence to the simple. Uh, 
and knowledge and discretion to the young. And so young and simple are related there. And we might think of naive. Maybe that's a little nicer way of saying simple. But what it means is somebody who is um, not yet uh, formed in their commitments or in their uh, uh, understanding of the realities. Remember, we're talking about the realities of life. And they don't understand that there's a grain to the wood or that there's, you know, that back to the physics that, 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 you know, you can actually fly if you get the physics right. They just don't understand that. And they're naive about that. And of course they're naive about it because no one's taught them. They're, they have to be trained in this stuff. So uh, the simple are, they're uncommitted. And if you think about what life is, ultimately life is about your commitments. Whatever you, you know, who you commit to, what you commit to becomes the story of your life. And so young people particularly, I mean, they're just not there yet. It's not their fault. Now, the Bible does give us um, uh, a variegated picture of, of children. I want to be careful. And one of the things about Proverbs is you have to be careful to not take one proverb and say, this is my life verse or this is everything that there is to say on the subject. Proverbs aren't meant to be used that way. They're meant to fill in a picture. And so you'll find different proverbs that come at the same topic from different angles. And they seem contradictory even, but they're not. It's just they're, they're filling in some of the gaps. You can't, one proverb does not give you everything. So this is, in this case uh, as well, this is from Proverbs 22:15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Now, that doesn't mean that everything a child does is foolish. But how many of you would disagree with that statement if you had a two-year-old, you know, running around or, or whatever? I mean, and wouldn't we say that, couldn't we also say that there's some foolishness bound up in the heart of every adult? I mean, when was the last time you did something really, really foolish? Don't ask, you know, you let the person next to you answer, okay. But it, it, so let's just take it in, in stride here. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. So one of the things that the Bible is saying us about children is it, 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 that's different from what the world around us is saying is that children are not naturally good in the sense that that gets used. Because like, usually that means they are, in, in the, the, the philosopher uh, Rousseau would say that they are naturally good and then society tends to pollute them. That's, that's not the view of the Bible. The Bible would say that society or no society, there's foolishness bound up in the heart of a child. And there's not a, 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 a tabla rosa or a blank slate that the, ch- the child is just neutral. They're born with a, proclam- or, you know, a kind of a uh, proclivity towards foolishness. It's just, I don't know, this is the Bible. It's not trying to be negative. It's just, remember what wisdom does is it defines reality for us. If you don't believe this is true, then you're, you're working against the grain. And you suffer the consequences for it. So this is the, some of that, that wisdom that uh, we need to hear. And of course, there's lots of positive things in the scriptures that are, are said about children. But if that's true, then they need some wisdom. They need some training. And adults, parents, you are on the spot here. All right. Then there's another uh, category of person that needs wisdom, and that's in verse 7. Fools. So think of a fool. This is how we'll get into this more maybe next week. But think of a fool as somebody who's graduated from being a simple person, and they haven't really absorbed wisdom, and so they they live in, in their simple ways long enough, and they get to become, they get to wear the label, fool. 
So it's, it's, it's simple, gone to seed. You're, you're, you're considered a fool. And what do fools do? Well, they despise wisdom. That makes it hard, doesn't it? For if they need wisdom, uh, it's hard for them to get it because they don't see that they have a need for it. So you have the unformed, who are the simple, and you have the malformed, who are the fools. Who else is wisdom for? In verse 5 it says it's for the wise, who want to add to their wisdom. Hopefully, that's you. (laughs) You want to add to your wisdom. Uh, Wise people uh, want... this, This is the paradox of the whole thing. A fool is wise in his own eyes or her own eyes. A fool is wise in their own eyes. But a wise person is aware that they will be a fool unless they have wisdom. And wisdom is not innate to them. It's from outside of them. It comes through people like Solomon, through your parents, through another generation. But ultimately it comes from God. That's why this is so countercultural though. See, I mean, the, I, I don't know if I have to point that out, but the world we live in just doesn't believe that. They, they don't believe there's, an, there's this thing called truth that, you know, that's baked into creation. It's that we can, you know, discover our own varieties of truth and call it what, it, you know, we want to call it. So it, it is very, um, but the wise person, uh, they, know, they know reality. Well, here's, here's another. Uh, the fool, the way of the fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. So we have that paradox between the wise and the fool and how they relate to wisdom. Okay? That's who it's for. And then finally, how do we get it? And the key verse, the motto of the book, is found in verse 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So fear of the Lord. And um, it, I, I remember my Old Testament uh, professor making this point that fear of the Lord is a, a phrase that you find some 20 sometimes in the Bible. And you, ha- you have to realize that it's, um, it's more than the sum of the parts. And he used the example of there's no way that you would ever understand what a butterfly is by breaking down the two parts of butter and fly. <laughs> right? It, it, and I, I always like to use grape nuts. You'd never know what a bowl of grape nuts is by looking at a grape and some nuts. Right? So fear of the Lord. It kind of falls into, it's kind of a compound phrase that has deep and special meaning that we need to uh, slow down a little bit because... How many of you would prefer not fear of the Lord, but what? Love, really. Come on. I mean, if we had to choose between fear, I mean, obviously we would choose love, right? I mean, that's usually how we think. So let me try to bridge the gap for you between fear and love. And and what I'm trying to do is to, uh, you know, expose the butterfly here. So there's, you, it might be helpful to think of negative fear and positive fear. Negative fear, um, let's see, if I could provoke some negative fear right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming at you. <laughs> and you would be 
um, a number of things, but you would cower in fear, you would be scared, and ultimately you would be afraid that you would be hurt, right? And that we under, and that's now. I don't want to say that 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 fear is it's in the Bible, and we would use the the, the phrase uh, the fear of God. Does that put the fear of God in you or something like that? So, and there is that in the Bible. I'm not going to deny that. But let's look at the more positive fear of the Lord. Now, the word Lord in this phrase, in this passage, many have uh, pointed out, it's the word Yahweh. Uh, so it's not the fear of God in general. It's the fear of Yahweh. And Yahweh is God's personal name in the same way that uh, I have a personal name. I mean, it, this is, if I could, without being sacrilegious, say if, you had, if God had a name tag, it would say Yahweh on it. It's, it's a, a, a name for those who know him to know him by. He has titles. I have a title. And you call me pastor if you want, but, but I, I prefer just be called Mark. It's, it's my personal name. And it implies relationship. So fear of the Lord. Positive. How do we, how do we find that positive uh, once we understand the difference in the names? I want you to think about the cross for a minute. And um, each week when we are in this series, I'll be, uh, make every effort to, to bring the truth that we find in Proverbs uh, into the uh, connection with the person of Jesus Christ. So here's today, I want you to think about the cross. And the reason I, I'm choosing the cross, well, there's a lot of reasons, but Paul says, the Apostle Paul says that it's at the cross where the foolishness of God seems to be revealed, but it's actually the wisdom of God. So let's think about that. So the best man who ever existed by, I think, anybody's account, maybe, I don't know, certainly a very, very good man died in the very, very worst way on the cross. That's pretty easy to establish. So how is that not foolish? And you wrestle with that. Why do we call it Good Friday? (laughs) Maybe another way to ask the question. What's, what's so good about this good man dying? Well, it's when it's, it's and this is, if you're, if you're uh, uh, somebody who's trying to figure out uh, Christianity or, or, you know, what's this whole thing all about? This is, this is really the key to it. This is the key that unlocks all of the doors. It's the center, the heart of the faith. And it's when you realize that that man who was, that good man who was dying is, is, you know, if you can picture yourself seeing him being there, we were just in Jerusalem, a group of us, and being there looking at you with eyes of love from that place, and something happens in you where you realize you have the fear of the Lord, but it's a new kind of fear, and it's not fear that you will get hurt, it's fear that you will hurt him who loves you that much. Does that make sense? That's a positive fear of the Lord. And it keeps the word love and fear together. So that we find in places like Deuteronomy, where they're they're used synonymously, the word fear and love, uh, chapter 10, chapter 11 of Deuteronomy, back and forth. Do you fear the Lord? Do you love the Lord? Fear the Lord, love the Lord. Doesn't matter which one you use. Because it's about the Lord. And it's about His love for you. And why would you want to hurt someone who loves you that much? That's a different kind of fear than what we talked about earlier. 
so my example would be uh, from to bring it down to real life for me is I have a fear of Patty in my life. She's at a women's retreat this weekend, so uh, I'll use. It, it, but it's, this is I would I would say it if she was here. So I have a fear of Patty, and it's not that she, you know, doesn't doesn't know where I keep the axe or something like that. It's that I have a fear of. Like, you know, the temptation to adultery we're going to get into in this book. And I, I've thought about this. Why, is, why am I not going to go there? And I think men need to answer this question. Why would I not go there? It's because I love her so much. I love her so much. Why would I want to hurt her? That's the fear of Patty. If that helps you understand the fear of the Lord. So... Putting this together, uh, do you have the fear of the Lord? And I could also ask this, do you have the love of the Lord? If you have the love of the Lord, you'll have the fear of the Lord. If you have the fear of the Lord, you'll have the love of the Lord. They go together. And do you want that for your children? Because getting that becomes the key or the beginning of wisdom. It's a, It's a... Posture of the heart that says, I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to hurt you. I want to do. I want to listen. I want to do what's right. And that's the foundation of this book. That's the foundation of our lives, really. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for um, the uh, words that are in this text that open up our eyes to things within us that we may have this morning thought about things that we've done that have been very foolish. Um, we've all done them and how much we need your grace how much we need to look up to you Jesus on the cross and see your eyes of love for us and that we would fear hurting you Lord the one that we love I pray that each of us Lord will um, let these words fear of the Lord rattle around in our hearts today and maybe tomorrow, and really think about what it means. And to see your grace. As we see our own foolishness, we see how much we're loved. We thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Amen.